We are live for a new episode of the Check Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and I'm joined by Seth Winchob, recovering from COVID this week. But how are you doing, Seth? I'm great. All right. You see, it's all the oaks. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> now we're in trouble. The episode gets delisted. No, I'm just kidding, of course. Uh, but yeah, be careful out there. The COVID is still going around. And um, this week, uh, we are going to discuss a bunch of Tesla news, as we usually do. Then we have the big news of the week in the EV community, which was the uh, federal, the reform to the EV federal tax credit that's uh, coming up. It's not a done deal, but it is uh, by far the closest we've been uh, in the last, what, I mean, it's been two years now that uh, they've been negotiating this. Yeah. And it just when when Biden won since then, we were like, all right, we're going to finally get an EV reform. And it's been two years now and nothing yet. But this is as close as it gets. Then we kind of teased it last week that uh, Seth got to try the EQXX. And um, now he released his uh, first ride review on the night track. And we're going to discuss a little bit of that. Uh, but let's jump into the news right away. Also, if you do like the show, please give us a thumbs up uh, and a like. That helps the show a lot. And I try to say it at the beginning now instead of at the end of the show. I've been told that's uh, better for the algorithm. Loves it. And also, if you're listening on your uh, audio-only app, your podcast app, please give us a, a five-star review. That helps the show a lot. And lately, we've been attacked with like one-star reviews by a bunch of uh, people that uh, are not, it's not even related to the show they just don't like like our coverage in general or something um for reason that might be financial we don't know all right let's uh let's uh, jump into the uh, first tesla news of the week this uh, this is kind of cool cool uh, little uh, update to the supercharger network that the uh, first application of it but that might expand uh, we saw that thanks to the people that out of spec youtube channel out of spec they uh, went and visited this supercharger in Germany where Tesla partner with a company called BK World. Uh, we deploy these, they call it these cube lounges. Okay, because there's, it's, not, it's not really a cube, it's more of a rectangle, but <laughs> it's two of those put together. And uh, it's basically a fully automated lounge. So for the most part, when Tesla deploys a supercharger, they try to find location around amenities that include food, coffee, restrooms, primarily restrooms. And um, those often consist of like fast food restaurants and things like that, uh, which, I mean, it's not bad that they, in, uh, in the quick road trip or something like that, that's uh, uh, often what people uh, gravitate towards. But there's also a situation where you, you cannot, there's no any of those amenities. So Tesla has to deploy their own or there's just a property location that makes more sense regarding the, the trajectory around a route that's popular for road trips, a popular route between like large city centers and things like that. And there's no enemies near. Like you don't, since you're going to park your car there, I don't want people to have to walk too far to get again to a bathroom or to uh, get some food or to just have a, a place to rest. So Tesla has been developing its own lounges at some places. Uh, but there's not too many uh, too, too many Tesla supercharger that are equipped with Tesla lounges. But this might be one uh, of uh, the first one that could be replicated somewhat easily because it's a deployable lounge that BK Worlds has. Uh, it, the, uh, they are equipped with... Uh, you, to enter, you have to have an app. You scan a QR code. Uh, you have the BK World app. It gives you access inside the lounge. 
in the lounge, you have one of those giant like vending machine, automated vending machine with DC is equipped with LTR choices in terms of uh, food and beverages. You have uh, also an automated coffee machine. Uh, you even have a four minute automated pizza oven uh, outside. <laughs> so I don't know how the quality of that is, but uh, I mean, it's an option at least. You get a full pizza literally out of it, like yeah, in four minutes. And of course, the bathrooms. That you, I, don't, I don't know how automated are the bathrooms, though. I mean, I assume that uh, someone has to come and clean them. And that's often one of the biggest problems with those Tesla location, like the keep it the supercharger station clean. And to be fair, Tesla owners have to take a responsibility on that too. I mean, I've seen some supercharger station that just look disgusting. Uh, you even have a little uh, video game station in there with a Nintendo Switch for the kids, big and small. And you see here a better look at the area where you can have like your uh, electrical outlets, uh, where you can just get some work done before uh, leaving. And um, and yeah, this is uh, this is the very first one in NC, NC uh, Germany. I forgot to look up where it is in Germany, but uh, NC if you know it. But uh, they plan to open 300 more of them across Europe. Uh, I the, in the press release, BK wasn't exactly clear if those 300 locations are going to be Tesla location, but I would assume that some of them will be. Some of them will be for other charging network, as of course you have Ionity in Europe and a bunch of other networks. But the whole idea of it is like these are easily deployable, easily movable. If for some reason you don't want them there anymore, and um, uh, it's uh, it's basically an asset that you deploy. Uh, you can deploy at your charging station and make them turn them into more of like a convenience kind of uh, convenience store slash uh, gas station, but for electric vehicles. That's interesting that they're uh, removable. Like uh, it's almost like a big porta potty. Like you can <laughs> just like the truck can come with a new one and remove the old one. You know, like I, I don't know how what kind of plumbing these things have with the bathrooms. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing in terms of the bathrooms. Like, unless it is kind of a porta party bad uh, toilet, like it's you have to have some kind of plumbing situation. Uh, it, in this case, it looks like it's on a full uh, concrete slab and everything. So I don't I don't know how movable this one is, but I think this is kind of a proof of concept. I would assume that uh, the product is going to get refined over the next few years. Also, air condition I forgot to mention, which is uh, a big deal in a lot of places. Yeah. So yeah, this is a this is a cool new uh, thing that we might see in more uh, supercharger station and other charging station in the future. I don't know. I'm kind of torn on that because I kind of feel like Tesla could be at a lot more uh, you know rest stops with food and and I mean obviously this is food, but like there's plenty of places already built that. Tesla superchargers could be at it. And it's actually, frankly, like, I don't get it at all. Why? You know, well, for, guys, for, for remote location, it makes a ton of sense. For like, Yeah, remote, remote. Yeah. But like in Germany, there's not that many remote locations. Yeah. Like we're talking like the top of Norway or, you know, s- somewhere in, in Canada or, or the middle of the, the west of the U.S. But like usually there's like a McDonald's at least or something. Yeah, but you know what? Like, if if they take care of that thing, I might prefer that over like I just I just drove down from Montreal all, all the way to now I'm in New Orleans, okay? Mm-hmm. And for the most part, like supercharger, awesome. Like uh, I posted on Twitter about it. Like it was uh, extremely satisfied with the supercharger experience on this long road trip. But there was a few of those places, like uh, like so in Mecum, uh, Mississippi. I stopped the 
when I stop, there's not only like two things I want to do. Like I want to do on the uh, three things. I want to do on the ba- I want to go to the bathroom. I want to get like maybe a bite to eat and to drink, and I want to charge my laptop or something because I'm I'm working on the road, whatever. At the supercharger, there was just one option. It was a Burger King, which I don't really want to eat at Burger King. No offense, right. it's not my kind of thing. Um, sure. They didn't have any charging outlets at their tables and no Wi-Fi. So what, what am I supposed to do? Uh, so it's a place like that. That th- this is a downtown of a of a I don't know, become like a large town or even a small city, like kind of kind of place. So this, this is not a good situation. Another place in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, stop the supercharger is the closest thing to it is a Waffle House. Uh, the bat like okay, Waffle House and great selection of food, whatever. Like uh, depending on what you what you want. Right. I'd be like half, half the nine to five staff is huge Waffle House fans. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it was my first time in the Waffle House. The food looked pretty good, but it, I wasn't hungry at that time. But the toilets, not not on par with my hygiene's uh, standard. Let's just put it at that. Were there uh, any not, bushes behind the superchargers? Uh, it was actually a pretty, like, it was the, mu- it, it was at the, the parking lot of like a train museum. It was a kind of busy parking lot. Uh, okay. I, I'm not looking to get a public in- indecency charge set. Right, right, right. Not in the U.S. <laughs> not in the U.S. Right? I don't want to be prevented entry. And <laughs> they literally have to tell you, uh, did you uh, urinate it in front of people? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you're not getting in. So, yeah, th- there is there is a situation where, like, it might make – like, I would choose that over those situations. Like, if like, – I, I want to just sit down, get a place to work, and charge my laptop because a lot of time I would just stay in the car. I would be perfectly fine just staying in my car, air condition, nice. I use my um, I, my phone as a hotspot, pull out my laptop, and start working. But if I'm down on the battery, I want a place to charge, and also I want a place to go to the bathroom. So a lot of these places are just not uh, great for that. Yeah, we have, th- there's one stop on our way to Vermont that's, oh, you know, we always have to stop at if, you know, we didn't charge up all the way or we just want to be in Vermont with like a, a good charge. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a called a Stewart's, which is like a, you know, a, just a typical gas station with a convenience store inside. During COVID, we didn't want to go inside. So we used the, you know, there's like a forest out back. We use that as a bathroom. Um, just, just because like, you know, we don't want to mask up and get COVID for the, you know, for the, you know, having to go to the bathroom, which the bathrooms are disgusting, as you mentioned, like, but also the food there is gross. And it's like, come on, guys, like you've got, you know, like theoretically fairly wealthy people coming in for half hour, 45 minutes. Just like have some like decent food, like make a salad, like one salad, like don't have to have whatever i don't know it just was quite quite frustrating they had like really old pizza and you know hot dogs and other gas station food like why not put the, the charger at a place where there's food Doesn't yeah i understand that if you have the option to put it at a better place then sure that that would make sense but in this case look I, i'm taking them to their words there I, I haven't been and I, I didn't see all the spec actually trying the food and thing like that but bk claims that what they do is actually like people get balk off at the fact that it's an automated vending machine like it's going to be it, uh, terrible food but they do say that they work with local vendors to have like look great local food that's healthy and everything so if they do that for real then they, they might it might really be like a decent option 
All right. That we talked about a bunch in the last few weeks because Tesla has been putting an emphasis on this. And I'm very happy to hear that they're doing that. And now they are really doubling down on it. And then that's the range estimates. So we've talked about that, that, that Tesla's range estimates are not always great, especially in colder weather. But Tesla lately has pushed some update that included elevation change, weather change, uh, more recently crosswind, headwind, humidity, and ambient temperature. So all things that should greatly improve the uh, range estimates. So that means when you enter your navigation and then uh, it tells you, um, okay, yeah, you have uh, 200 miles to drive. Um, you have 250 miles to drive right now, but actually you're going to have like 10 miles left in your battery at the end and it gets shorter and shorter every uh, as you drive. So you want to have a better estimate so that you are more confident in, in, in the car getting there uh, and also how much range you're going to have left once you get there. And that's, uh, that's extremely helpful, obviously, for range anxiety if you have that. So uh, Tesla hacker Green revealed that um, not in the release note, but sort of behind the scene on the 2022.20.7 update, Tesla is really going deep into the range prediction with adding now tire pressures, tire pressure, with which, by the way, can have a significant difference depending on how the, the more pressure you put in your tires and the tighter they are, uh, the more efficient your vehicle is going to be, though that your ride is going to be more stiff, obviously. So it, you have to have some kind of balance between comfort and uh, efficiency. So now that's going to be taken into account. Uh, also, even energy loss from phone charging. So from having your charger uh, running, they can take that into account from the 12-volt accessory. So if you're using a 12-volt accessory in the center console, they're going to take that into account. Air density which uh, I think was mentioned in the last one, though, to be fair. Uh, no, humidity was mentioned. Is the difference? Yeah, just, you know, if you're low. Uh, yeah, with the altitude. Right. Uh, and then this one is might be the biggest one, and I'm surprised that it wasn't before being taken into account. Battery eating and cooling. Yep. So that that's probably a huge one, especially for cold weather. So that, if, like, I, I thought for sure Tesla was already accounting for that, so, like, I'm kind of surprised here, but... If that was really the case, and Tesla is just now accounting for it, I think that's going to solve the uh, bad range calculation in the winter, especially in a cold weather situation, because a lot of the energy's battery pack, instead of being used for propulsion, was used to keep the battery at the right temperature. So now, uh, and similarly in a hot weather, though I've, I've rarely seen a big difference in hot weather, unless it's extremely hot. So yeah, all good stuff. All right, uh, Tesla has a new product coming from the software team of Tesla Energy, the energy division of the automaker. Uh, they've been working on a lot of cool things on this front. Like Tesla is really applying its software expertise to managing energy assets. Uh, we talked about more famously, of course, the AutoBidder product, uh, but there's also the Tesla PowerUp, which is their monitoring system for energy asset, and the Tesla OptiCaster which is an intelligent software designed to maximize economic benefits of sustainability objective for distributed energy resources. So it all software to really optimize Tesla's energy assets, which are mainly like mega packs, power packs, and even the Tesla power walls. Uh, now there's a fourth one being added to the list. It's called the Tesla Virtual Machine Mode. And we learned about it because Neon, which is the operator and owner of the Tesla Big Battery in South Australia, which was kind of the first large-scale 
battery energy storage system with lithium-ion batteries uh, to provide grid services. And it came at a time where South Australia was having a massive uh, energy problem. And uh, the the big battery really helped solve that. And also it was it, it sort of kind of the blueprints for a bunch of other large-scale energy storage projects that have been de- deployed since, including, for example, the giant one in Moss Landing that's going to be over one gigawatt hour. Uh, this one is a bit smaller, but at the time it was the, the largest. And Neoen has been kind of pioneering a lot of grid services with that Tesla big battery. And this time they're saying that they are um, deploying what they call grid scale inertia services. So the way that they are describing that is uh, okay. So they, and they, and they say that the service is enabled by Tesla's virtual machine mode. So Tesla described it as, as more wind and solar power replace fossil fuel generation, less me- mechanical inertia is available on the grid, removing a natural stability buffer in the case of a grid disturbance. Tesla's virtual machine mode is designed to address these stability challenges by virtually emulating me- mechanical inertia. Megapack's built-in inverters with virtual machine mode create grid-forming dynamics that provide grid strength, respond to added and rejected load to maintain quality voltage at the point of interconnection. Um, and then they say that, uh, like Nguyen said, that uh, the Tesla the big battery is actually called the Ornsdale Power Reserve. Uh, and that um, system can provide up to 3,000 megawatts seconds of inertia by using the new virtual machine mode. So it's one more grid service to add to the list thanks thanks to virtual machine mode. All right, last one about Tesla before we move on to other EV news for the week. Tesla announced that they are launching a new shareholder platform this week. Um, They are calling it the Tesla shareholder platform, very Hmm. imaginative name. And uh, yeah, it's basically to manage their extremely large uh, shareholder base. Tesla is one of the most popular uh, holdings for retail investors. And with the the rise of apps like Robinhood, like there's millions and millions of people now that own Tesla shares, literally. And uh, Tesla wants to have a place for them to go and to participate into the Tesla shareholding experience, which generally mostly involves voting your shares. And there's not that much you can do with the shares. You can buy them, you can sell them, you can vote on them. That's about it. Um, but yeah, this new platform, it's uh, it's basically builds on Tesla's uh, increased interest in uh, retail share- shareholders. Like Elon famously was a few years ago at this point where on the earnings call, he was getting frustrated by Wall Street analysts asking what he called boneheaded questions. And uh, he, he he wanted to have questions from shareholders and he started to deploy this, uh, they call it the SAFE technology platform. Basically, um, kind of what Tesla is deploying right now, which is a, a, a platform for shareholders to ask questions directly to Tesla. But uh, for the shareholder platform, you have to obviously prove that you're a Tesla shareholder and say, and also Plaid are the partner in that where you can connect through them to your uh, broker's account and prove ownership. Um, if you're like me, based in Canada, I have a Canadian broker. Uh, it didn't work for me. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I might. Um, I just uh, the the there's a way to do it manually, but you you do it by uh, sending. Uh, you can just say how many share you have, or send them a statement. 
uh, just to try it. I just said how many share I have, and I didn't even send a, a statement because they, they said the statement was optional. I haven't heard back yet um, if I'm eligible for the platform, but if not, I'll have to send them a little statement. Uh, you still have a few shares yet, yeah? You, you managed to get on the platform? Yep. Uh, it just logged in with my Robinhood account, um, mm-hmm. and now I get uh, emails. Uh, I've gotten two kind of pointless ones from SEC. Yeah, so account. one of the feature is email subscription, where you can choose three options between basic, intermediate, and detail, where you receive either all of the SEC filings or just some of the main things like press releases, shareholder deck, deliveries uh, and earnings uh, press releases. But uh, Tesla mentioned that you can participate in shareholder events through the platform and, um, and, and you can also vote and submit questions during calls. Oh, oh, I didn't catch that. That it was during earning calls. I, I assume it's prior to streaming cars and then they're going to answer it during the earnings calls, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure because that, that, that's already something that uh, say technology does provide. And then they say more to be announced. So I assume that they plan to take advantage of that platform over time. All right, uh, we're going to jump into the non-Tesla uh, stuff in a second. But if you guys have any questions for us to answer, you can put them in the comment section right now. We're going to get to them in a few minutes. If you can put question in the all cap beforehand, uh, that help us find them and not, and, and go past all the um, conversation that are in the comment section right now and go straight to the questions. Also, you can just put us like a little subject you want us to discuss. It looks like we're going to have some time today. Uh, but yeah, the biggest news of the week, obviously, the Inflation, only call it Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, which it's kind of the new Build Back Better thing. That's uh, the alternative to it. Yeah, but, but I mean, it really has very little to do with inflation. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the, the U.S. here. You, you guys like to to put the name sometime in there, just like to make it. Oh well, it's going to be easier to pass if the name is good, but like the well, actual bill is true. like the bill is like thick as a Bible, but like oh, just just the name is gonna is gonna do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this is something again, like we said at the opening of the show. It's clickbait. The title, is <laughs> yeah, clickbait. basically, it's clickbait on the on the on an actual legislature legislation. Yeah, we we said they've been working on this for two years, but there's been some people that have been preventing it from happening because, as you may or may not know, in the U.S. Senate right now, the uh, Democrats have uh, is it not even a majority, right? It's uh, it's fifty fifty, right? They have fifty, and then the tiebreaker is the vice president. Who's so also yeah, Democrat. and the vice president is obviously Democrat, so they technically have. The majority, but literally by one vote. So they need every single Democrat to vote for it. And there have been some outliers, but main one being Joe Manchin from yep. uh, Virginia or West Virginia? West Virginia. West Virginia. And uh, he is notoriously a little bit more conservative than the rest of the party and has been uh, kind of uh, using the fact that he only has one, uh, there's only one vote to make the difference to uh, pressure the party to change a lot of things in that. In that bill, and one, I mean, there's a lot in that bill. Like it's a, I think it's over a trillion dollars. So there's a lot of things. We're not going to get into most of those things. We're going to focus on what's important for our community, which is the electric vehicles. And the main thing that we want to talk about is, of course, the EV tax credit reform that the EV community has been asking for years and that was supposed to be in the Build Back Better uh, legislation. And now 
uh, we weren't sure was going to make it in the new one because Mention hasn't been a big fan of it. Uh, though he did have some good points, the main one being that uh, he, the um, the union thing, the $4,500 for a union, uh, the, that's not really the goal of the credit. It's to encourage EV cell. It's not really to encourage like union sales, uh, the sales of the vehicle built by unions. Right. So he got that out, and but he wasn't clear if he wanted the whole thing out. Either way, he's uh, apparently agreed to this one here, to this version of it, which let's dive in. So the main thing, obviously, the removal of the cap of 200,000 EV delivered by automakers and then a phase-out period. So GM and Tesla has famously reached that. So now GM and Tesla would be eligible again, or at least I should say Tesla and GM EV buyers will be eligible again to get the tax credit. Now, speaking of, the second biggest thing on that is that it's not just a tax credit anymore. It can be applied at the purchase at the dealer. Big, big, uh, big part. Yeah, big part. So you don't have, it's not about your tax at the end of the year. On your actual bill for the uh, electric car, it's going to be removed right there. So that's huge. Make it a lot sem- more simple, a lot more effective a lot wider impact. Now, uh, there's a bunch of other things. The, the, there's a new price limit. That was a controversial thing before. Like the, the U.S. was one of the rare countries to have EV incentive at the federal level and not have a price limit on it. So you could buy a $300,000 EV uh, and get a $7,500 from the government for it on your taxes. Makes no sense. Like if you can buy a supercar at CV, like if you buy a Tesla Roadster, if you buy a right a, a Rimac for, for a Nevara for it, like was it uh, two million dollars now the Nevara? Two million euros, yeah. Which yeah, is <laughs> you get seventy five hundred back from the government. Like who cares if you're gonna back buy a Nevara? You get, you're gonna be able to afford it whether you get the seventy five hundred dollars or not. Um, but so now they applied a price limit on the cars on and the trucks. And that that's a tricky thing because you, you you want to find a, a kind of a good um, balance with it. And then here's the thing: what you could do too. Before that, there was I don't I think there was no limit of earnings for person to to apply for right. it, and now there is. So you could have done one or the other that could have helped too. You could put like okay, let's just not give that to the rich who can afford an EV anyway, or you can go no, we're gonna give it to everyone. Uh, so that everyone get incentivized to buy an electric vehicle because it could make sense. If the actual goal of the incentive is to incentivize people to buy an EV over a gasoline car, a rich people might, a person might still decide to buy a gasoline car. But maybe that even if they are rich, and so a lot of times, uh, spoiler alert, people that get rich, they get they don't get rich by spending a lot of their money. They get rich because they're stingy on their money. Uh, so maybe they're going to be incentivized to like go, oh, well, I'm going to go with an EV because I get a seven thousand five hundred. And then instead put a cap on the price of the EV so it's not like a $100,000 like sports car that you can get it on. The rich person has to buy uh, just a nice family sedan that uh, they can get the money on. But now this legislation went both ways, which is interesting. They went with uh, the electric sedans cannot be priced up more than $55,000, uh, $55, sorry. $55,000 if it's more than that. So sedans, that would include like the Model 3, uh, the Bolt EV, uh, the Model S, obviously. Uh, what, what is it that you have right now is the i4, BMW yeah, i4? BMW i4, yeah. So that's that's not, not will not be ineligible because of that? Because uh, what's the starting price of the i4? Like, I want to say 65000 Yeah, something like that. 
Um, then you have SUVs and trucks, includes pickup trucks. Uh, this one goes up to eighty thousand dollars. So this is this is interesting. This uh, a lot of things are going to be eligible for that. Uh, the big question, of course, the biggest car right now, the biggest electric car in the U.S. right now, is the Model Y, and it's technically an SUV. It's classified as like a sm- uh, mid-sized SUV, I think, something like that. So technically, it will qualify for that. So that's yep. a big deal for Tesla, even though it's already back order like crazy. Now, there's another requirement that gets things a lot murkier. That's that's where it gets difficult to know. Like every I've received since we reported on this, I received like 20 emails from people. Fred, release a list of all the electric cars that are going to be eligible for the new federal tax credit. Um, I, I that is the thing I don't know, and I don't think anyone knows right now because of those requirements, which are um, to have for the vehicle to have at least forty percent of its battery critical minerals from the United States or countries with free trades agreements with the United States, and then at least fifty percent of the battery components of the vehicle coming from the United States or countries with a free trade agreement with the United States. So those are two different things. The battery critical materials, so that includes nickel, lithium, cobalt, um, iron, uh, what else? Manganese, uh, graphite, name it. 40% of that has to come from the U.S. or countries with a free trade agreement in the U.S. So I'm going to stop saying free trade agreement in the U.S. I'm going to list you like the main countries just so you know. So that includes Australia and Canada. That's good. Which, yeah, those are big because... Uh, the, a lot of minerals come from those two countries, so that's good. Like that, that should include more car. Chile, big on lithium. Colombia, Costa Rica, yeah, I don't think there's that much. Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, those are all countries that are not big exporter, I think, of those minerals. Israel, same thing. Jordan, same thing. Korea, Korea. That's good for batteries. Yeah, not necessarily for the minerals, but like Seth said, for the battery components, that's good because there's a lot of battery cells built in Korea and uh, other battery components. Mexico, Mexico uh, are also important because it's, uh, um, I mean, I guess less so for batteries, but I mean, there's a bunch of electric cars being assembled there. Morocco, not so much. Nicaragua, Oman, Panama, Peru, Singapore, USMCA. What's that? Mm. Marines. United States, Mexico, Canada agreement. Like, who cares? That's weird. <laughs> they're, that bit they're all mentioned in there. That's just that's just repetitive. Um, so yeah. Then another uh, another thing I had in that it's forty the forty percent requirements in minerals increased to fifty percent in twenty twenty four, sixty percent in twenty twenty five, seventy percent twenty twenty six, and eighty percent in twenty twenty seven. The fifty percent for battery uh, components. Increase to the same uh, same thing, but a year faster. Sixty in twenty twenty four, seventeen twenty twenty six, eighty in twenty seven, ninety percent, hundred percent by twenty twenty nine. So now here's the thing. This is my big conspiracy theory. That's not actually a theory because it's basically confirmed. GM and Ford had a big end in uh, making this big end. Oh, okay. No, sorry. Another requirement to that I didn't mention is. The car needs to have been assembled in North America. And if uh, some people don't know, North America includes Canada, US, and Mexico. Big change. So all those changes. And Ford and GM had to have a big hand in that because they're, they're the two main ones that want Mexico to be included in that because 
Uh, they both have large factories in Mexico where they're going to produce electric vehicles. The Blazer EV, which was just confirmed recently, is going to be produced there in large volumes. So GM wanted that 7500 for that for sure. And guess what? Two days before mentioned, I finally announced that he agrees to this. Two days before, both Ford and GM just happened to announce large-scale deal to secure battery critical minerals from north america by 2025 <laughs> that's crazy what are the yeah, chances what are the coincidences? ah it's funny how just life works sometimes just like that no it doesn't work like that gm and ford had a big hand in grafting this but look I, i'm not mad at it i, I mean I, i'm not i'm not big on collusion and with uh, businesses and government but this is actually good for North America as a whole because right now North America is losing the battle a lot to Asia and to Australia and to South America, to a lot of markets where the minerals are coming from, where we actually have a ton of that here, especially in Canada and in the U.S. Tons and tons of lithium, tons and tons of nickel and cobalt, mostly in Canada, though. Um, we have everything we need to make batteries here but like a lot of other things that has been exported over the years not in our own backyard and everything even though there's a way to make it ethical to make it clean and we we should really do it and keep the wealth here and also processing all that here that's jobs people that's a lot of jobs that's going to replace all those coal mining jobs and all that stuff that's what's going to do it like I, I hate when people are like, "Oh, well, cold, cold jobs are going away. Let's just like get them into like the solar industry and anything like that." Like that, that's that's uh, like asking a software engineer to start building like uh, cars or something. Like, it's, it's just a different, different thing. So this is a lot closer, like the actual mining business. And uh, th- this is gonna result in that because even though, like, like we said, this wasn't actually needed for the EV industry, the demand is extremely strong, and, and of course, an EV incentive at the purchase is more about driving demand than anything else. While the EV industry has more of a production issue than a demand issue, this kind of solves both of them, long term at least or mid term. I don't know how you want to look at it. Why? Because the forcing those automakers and the entire industry to um, buy locally those minerals are going to make them finance a ton of local projects that still have issues getting the financing and getting the mines running and everything. It's going to force them to finance that. And that as a whole is going to increase the production capacity of those minerals, which are becoming a bottleneck in the expansion of the EV community. So EV adoption, sorry. So it's a, a two-pronged approach. Like it keeps the momentum of the demand and also it's helped finance uh, the expansion of the production of those critical minerals in order to expand EV production. So this this I'm really excited about. Uh, and I think it's going to be a great investment opportunity also for everyone that's like to invest into the uh, battery critical market in North America. There's a, It's hard to overestimate just how much of a lead china has on everyone on this and i think this i think we're still playing catch up and we're gonna still play catch up for a long time but this gives a little edge for those of the companies to, to, to start producing exciting stuff yeah there's a lot of stuff uh one of the things that um we noted 
also is that there's the EV, sorry, the electric bike credit that was in Build Back Better is not in this one. Oh, no, it's not. Oh. No, as far, yeah. Uh, so one of the things is like, call your senator, call Schumer, tell him to put the uh, bike credit back in. Also, um, you know, the, the um, what was I going to say? Uh, there was something about the... Uh, but there's a used vehicle credit. That's in yeah, there's the there's a used vehicle credit. So in that's, that's big. So with, with the price limit on the new one and the... Oh, yes. I forget to actually mention the um, individual gross income limit. Uh, for for the, the new credit, there's also a, a gross income limit of $150,000 for individual filers and $300,000 for joint filers. So also that's going to limit like... A, for a lot of Tesla buyers, for example, like a lot of them, I think, uh, win over that, and like you won't, you won't be eligible for the credit of that. You know what else they should throw in there? I mean, I, this doesn't work for Teslas, but uh, they should also require cars be plug and charge capable <laughs> to, to receive the uh, tax credit. That's yeah. my that's my little Seth amendment. Well, I think honestly, people soon enough, like. Uh, pe- more people are gonna realize that you just you just have to have it anyway. So people are just not gonna buy cars and that don't have it. Like it's uh, especially as it's become more like we always mention it when we do our reviews and things like right. that. I, uh, I think more people are gonna start doing that. All right, for the use of vehicle taxes, so it's a thirty percent of the value of the used EV with a cap of four thousand dollars. So up to four thousand dollars or thirty percent of the value. Um. It must be at least two model years old. So that means like for it needs to be like a, at least a 2020 if you're buying it in 2022. Um, original use of the vehicle. Okay, yeah, you cannot be the first owner. But, uh, the original use of the vehicle must have occurred with an individual other than the one claiming the use. Well, that's obvious. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's why you, can, you cannot claim the, the new credit and then keep using that car and claiming the use credit. This makes no sense. So uh, to your son. Yeah, has to be purchased from a dealer. Okay. I, I don't the whole dealer thing, like the same thing for the for the uh, new one with the I don't know how that's gonna work with Tesla, Rivian and Lucid, but I mean most of them when they do have their store, they call, call them dealer, they call them stores, they have a dealership license generally. So I think they're gonna be fine. Uh used vehicle price must be twenty four twenty five thousand dollar or less. So that's that's pretty good though. That's that limits some because uh, it's the used car market, especially for EVs these days, is pretty wild. Finding a car under $25,000 might be difficult. Okay. Um, the, uh, a, a used vehicle only qualified to the tax credit for a used car once in a lifetime. So, okay, that makes sense. You're not going to keep just reselling it all the time and make money. Uh, okay, an individual, like no businesses can qualify for that. Yeah, businesses can qualify for the other one, like for leases and things like that. Uh, purchaser meal okay one every three years so well, that's that's fair for for an individual and then oh, there's a cap on the gross income for that to seventy five thousand dollars for an individual uh, and one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for joint returns returns yeah uh, so yeah I mean that so, so that that's good here because that's gonna accelerate access to EVs for lower income people because like we said the the uh, I mean it's not. To to be honest, like it sounds harsh <laughs> when I say that, but like you don't need that to accelerate EV adoption. Uh, EV adoption, like accelerating that, is all about new car market. You want to stop producing gasoline car. You want to produce uh, electric vehicles, and that's how you replace a fleet. 
uh, the used car market takes care of itself like normally. But if you want to, this this is more like of an incentive for smart people that don't have necessarily the means to buy a, a new electric car. Because if you're smart and you you can you you uh, qualify for that, and you're like, all right, I just I want to reduce my uh, whether it's my carbon footprint or I want to reduce my gas bill and save money. Well, let me find a less than twenty five thousand dollar used electric car. Apply this four thousand dollar bill, and guess what? You you're gonna save a ton of money these days. Like getting a twenty thousand dollar car that's electric, you it's it's a it's a very good deal right now. Uh, so especially at the price of gas these days, I would say with like $150,000 being the household, like for joint returns, this isn't for low income. It's like low and middle income. Yeah. 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 150, especially, you know, outside of New York city and the cities is pretty good income. Yeah. It's pretty good income for sure. I I meant, I meant lower than, than the, the other limit. Right. Uh, That's what I meant. Yeah. But so, so that's, it's not going to change anything for global EV adoption, but it's going to help not low-income people, but lower than uh, $150,000 a year as a joint uh, filer's income people. All right. Uh, the EQXX. So I think we are on a mission, you and I, right now, Seth, and it's to try to convince Mercedes to actually produce that car. Yes. Um, so... Uh... We got to, so I, I flew out to Germany, probably where I got COVID, um, but uh, on Mercedes uh, dime, and you know, obviously I went to uh, Eurobike the week before, but um, they have this crazy test track in uh, outside of Stuttgart, about an hour and a half outside of Stuttgart, and they flew us to a really nice hotel, um, quite close to it, and they kind of ha- they they had us set for three different things: the drive pilot demo, which is their Autonomy software, which, which is getting we quite on the podcast last week. If you yeah, that. it's getting quite good. Um, the EQX, uh, they let us test drive it, and they they had us like hyper miling, so it was like a big contest. And hold on a second, I got something really exciting to show everybody about that. All right, I got the participant certificate for driving the EQ Vision EQXX. So that's a participant trophy, <laughs> participation trophy. As somewhat, is the person that got the highest? Uh, no, efficiency? I didn't. No, and it, it was kind of BS because I was like, "All right, I'm going to hypermile. I know how to do this. I've been driving, you know, Teslas and Bolts for years. It's going to be easy." And then, like on the test track, like a bunch of prototypes like stopped in front of me, so I I had to use the real brakes a couple times, and I, I was like, "All right, I need to go again." And they're like, "No, you can only go once." So I, I wound up in the middle of the pack, which is fine. Uh, and uh, but but so the, the, did the person that actually win get a different trophy than the participation trophy? You know, I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I stopped caring. Uh, but <laughs> as soon as you lost it, like as soon as I lost, I, I don't like, care anymore. <laughs> I'm going home. I'm going back to my room. Um. So, you know, the, the EQX is an amazing vehicle. Like it's uh, a lot like the um the solar uh the light year. Uh, so it's like super efficient, very thin tires. Um, it's cut very low to the ground, um, but inside it's it's a yeah, very. Sorry, sorry, said put put the screen back. I'm going to oh, show yeah. them some pictures because because it is sexy. It's like a, a sexy version of the light year, in my opinion. 
For sure, yeah. And it's weird because there's a lot of stuff that you would think that Mercedes would just use on normal cars. Like, the, for instance, the uh, wheels are super aerodynamic. Uh, but, like, you know, you look at the EQB that they were showing off, and it had, like, these super not-efficient wheels. And one of the problems with the EQB, which we'll talk about a bit, is that it doesn't get that much range. And they were saying, well, these these wheels compared to normal ones will add 30 miles of range and i'm like put those things on your other cars or at least offer it as an option because one of the problems with the eqb is like the range range is kind of bad so hopefully mercedes learns a lot from this this vehicle i think that's the idea is like hey let's let's get all of our engineers involved let's take every little piece of this car and, and try to make it super efficient um so drag is 0.17. I don't even think I've heard of a car that, uh, you know, street legal car that can do it. That Volkswagen that we're looking at um, was the 0.19, which is like, you know, you look at the rear, there's not even rear tires on that thing. Um, so well, they are, they are covered. <laughs> yeah, they're covered, but it's like they, they didn't even have to do that. So they did a lot of interesting tricks. The one that's pretty common is that there's air intake from the front that creates like a uh, air curtain around the front wheels. Um, and that's kind of like the big trick that uh, a lot of car makers are using now, like Tesla, BMW, everybody. Um, the other thing is like it has air intakes in the front that come out over the hood. But, um, you know, if it needs to cool the motors or cool the cabin or whatever, then it, it can send the air in, in different ways. So, um yeah, you know, altogether, uh, you know, they they showed us here. We're looking at the, um, they showed us the older cars from like 1938 that Mercedes really spent a lot of time on aero with, um, and there is some similarities there. I mean, obviously, it, there's 80 years of difference, but um, from 38, which you know that was a, a weird era for Mercedes, but um, <laughs> they did make a very uh, aerodynamic. That's car. a politically correct way to mention it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And what else do they do? So the tires are super thin. They have a solar panel on top. So it was a 600 watt solar panel. Um, and like it would actually figure out which direction the sun was in and if, if how much energy you were getting. Unfortunately, the solar panel wasn't tied to the direct, uh, batteries, so the, the big high voltage batteries. Um, and, and, and the, the batteries are 920 volts. So, uh, that, that means thinner wires and, and you know quicker charging and stuff but uh the solar panels would only charge the 12 volt system which is you know the the lights and the uh computers and all that stuff which you know ab- absolutely does help range but doesn't you know directly put electricity into the the wheels um the back is pretty crazy apparently yeah the back apparently uh took a, a while to figure out like especially the bottom part and i was like you know, is that something that you could build into a normal car and then like have it like come out when you're like driving on the highway? They're like, yep, we're already looking at doing stuff like that. So it's cool that they're taking the technology learnings from this thing and putting it into their, their other cars. But even like that, it still looks awesome. Like, look, look at that. It is a good looking car. I I agree. I think a lot of people do that. They, they really kind of hit it out of the park on this. And and they were hoping to go a thousand kilometers in one charge with a hundred kilowatt hour battery, and they ended up going twelve hundred miles. So they they went over their what they were hoping to do by two hundred kilometers. Pretty big deal. 
Because I know that this, if this was to hit the market, it would be a, a super luxury vehicle. It wouldn't be a cheap car. And it wouldn't necessarily have the same spec that you would expect for from a, a Benz in the same price point. But I think there's going to be a market that's going to create itself for like people that goes for, again, it's still going to be a luxury vehicle, but it goes for super efficiency. Like that's what I want. I want super efficiency. Even before range itself, like this has super great range too. So a lot of people would buy it just for that. But some people, I think as well, it's like, I just want the most efficient car out there that still looks like a cool car that doesn't look right. like a, a weird a- mobile. Aptera. <laughs> well, Aptera is not even a car. Really. Right. <laughs> even I love them. They're great. But So, so here, here's the thing. Um, it looks like a really luxurious car. It you know looks cool. But like because of all the stuff they did to make it super light, like they took out all the insulation, so you hear a lot of road noise. They made the suspension very uh, light, so it it makes a lot of bumping sounds. I mean, they did a good job with it, but it's it definitely doesn't feel like a Mercedes sedan. It feels kind of like a uh, a prototype vehicle, which you know that's that's great for the and and I'm sure they can add things to it to make it yeah. more more livable even if they lose 200 kilometers on right it's still, it's still a very good efficiency and great range yeah i mean my point was like drop you know like a thousand kilometers is great but like if you drop half the battery you're still gonna get like 600 kilometers and you're gonna you know because the the lighter car it's gonna have a whole bunch of different better driving dynamics so you have a 60 kilowatt hour battery that goes you know a thousand or not a thousand, but it goes you know, six hundred miles, for instance, or six hundred kilometers. That's still a pretty sweet car to have, and it doesn't use much electricity, and you get more from the sun and all the other stuff. And then I started thinking about it. And I was like, well, actually, I think I'm just inventing the the light year at this point because <laughs> that's similar to what Lightyear did. Oh, yeah, I'm starting to miss that part. All right. Well, I mean, oh, that's the you can see here the expiration for sure. What the yeah. what this one? All right, and then you just mentioned it too, but the other one that you were checking out while they were there was the EQB. Yeah, we so, actually test drove briefly on uh, Germany last year, but now they have the production version, and everything. Yeah, uh, the EQB is kind of like a um, it's the what is it called the GLB? It's GLB is the internal combustion version. So basically. They made an EV version of a ICE car they already had, yeah, and the entry level SUV. Yeah, and it's kind of model Y size. Although when you know they said like this is going to be the only one with third row in its in its class, I was like, what about the model Y? And they're like, oh, the model Y is in a different class. And I was like, really? Like it's kind of the same size, yeah. but it's a little bit shorter, it's a little bit narrower, and it's a little bit taller. So, um, but it does have a third row, which is important for a lot of people. Um, the problem is that it doesn't have a ton of range. So they're estimating 230 to 240 uh, EPA, um, which not great for a Mercedes uh, if you're paying a lot of money, although this one's not that expensive. And then also the charging speed is 100 kilowatts, which... Yeah, that, that's a big no-no for a 2022 vehicle. Right. And you know the problem is that you put those two things together and it's not a great trip car. Um, I think... I estimated that you get 161 miles going from in a half hour going from 10% to 80%. So 
So you're looking at 160 miles between stops on a long trip, which is not not great. Um, and that's the best case scenario. And a lot of that is uh, because of this right here. I think it's already not a big battery pack, 70.5, but Mercedes yeah. has been known to like lock up a big part, get a big battery buffer, and they're talking about a 4.5 kilowatt hour battery buffer. It's not a small one. But they yeah. did the EU on this, so for the US version, they might just have a bigger pack. Right? Yeah, so the pack is a little bit bigger in the US. I don't know if it's just more usable or if it's just bigger altogether. Um, also, like the 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 electronics in the front were like really not packed in well, and I I imagine like future versions of this will have a frunk or or at least be tighter packed because you have this big area where you know the internal combustion engine was, and you've got all all this electronics, but you don't have a motor to put there, so they kind of just spread everything out, and. Uh, so that was bad. The good side, like it's a Mercedes, it's a really nice car uh, inside. It had, you know, a really, CarPlay didn't work terribly well, but it has like a really good uh, navigation system built in. It's got like super comfortable seats. Um, it drives really tightly, like there's no uh, pings and, and you hit a bump and it's not the end of the world. So, I mean, it's a Mercedes, so it's going to drive pretty well and it does, but they clearly could have gone a little bit bigger on the battery pack and motors. I think. Uh, do we have any picture in there of the third row? No, they did, actually didn't provide any. If you scroll down a little bit, I found some on there, like on the website in the back. Um, that's, that's the second, second row. row. Um, there's, there's a third row uh, here and it's, it's yeah, really- but they, they cheated. They put the second row down. Right. Yeah, I don't know what that guy's doing right there. Like that guy, as the both of the seats on the right side are down, and he's right. through the door. Okay, and the, that video above has a little bit of the third row in the back, toward like two thirds of the way through. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, not much. I mean, there's a GLB with uh, a third row. It's the same car, basically, so you can. You guys, can, if you guys are researching it, but I mean that was the big thing. Like the Tesla Model Y and this car are basically the only options out there for EVs and a re, you know obviously the Model X as well. But reasonably priced um, third row option SUV EVs, and I have friends, you know, they have two or three kids, and they're like, oh, we need a third row, can't get an EV, sorry. And, and it's, it's frustrating to me because we have two kids and we're doing fine, but. Um, now, now they have a third row option and, you know, you'll probably use it two or three times a year, but, um, Mercedes did say, uh, you have to be five, four or under to fit in third row. So basically a child or a child or a very small small adult, very small. All right. Um, ID4 doesn't have a third row, but it's a nice little SUV and now you can get a U.S. produced one, or at least, well, they started production in the U.S. Sometimes uh, Volkswagen's a little bit weird about, uh, oh, they, oh, no, they say built and sold in the U.S., so they started delivering it? Uh, I don't think they have yet, but they they plan to. Well, I've heard that, like, production had already started, so this is, like, the official announcement of it this week. Well, you uh, also know Volkswagen likes to make a ton of cars and then put them in a parking lot for a while. Yeah. And then update the software. Yeah. 
So they are planning to build 7,000 per month, which is not too bad. Uh, and they're adding 1,000 jobs to be able to do that. This is all in Chattanooga, Tennessee, by the mm-hmm. way, where a big, uh, big factory that uh, Volkswagen has there. And uh, they are using Cell from SK Innovation, a Korean company. But I think they're using Cell that's going to be built in the U.S. with their uh, Georgia plant soon. So maybe maybe uh they're going to be able to get the new tax credit it's not that's that's one of those things like we don't we don't know for sure cuz that's one of the requirement like built in north america check uh sells from the us uh, but well percentage of, ba- of battery component from uh us and uh us country that have uh countries that have a trade agreement with the us free trade agreement with the us so uh, with the percentages and everything it's hard to say exactly all right Last piece of news that we have is uh, something it just came out with, so I haven't had the time to to look into it so much. But uh, you're saying that the Chevy Bolt EV is still the best value EV in America by far. So I assume that's based with the price decrease that have uh, recently happened. You're you're trying to make the case that uh, people should get a Bolt EV. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I owned a EV, as most people know from. Uh, 2017 to 2020. Um, so, uh, at that point it was like, a, I think a $40,000 car. Um, but there was a tax credit and, um, because not only because of the tax credit, but also, um, you know, the, the, the price of gas and everything like that, it makes it a really compelling car to get now that it's 25,600, starting price and I'm, I'm actually going to buy one for my my mom um and hopefully the tax credit comes down as well so you know that'll be under twenty thousand. but you know i really like it it's pretty quick off the line it's very compact um the the ev is the euv um has a little bit less range but it has the super cruise option we've we've talked a lot about the super cruise uh here uh in a lot of ways it's better than tesla's because uh, you don't have to have your hand on the steering wheel, although you know, full self driving is coming. But it's it's different, and um, it keeps you in a lane. It doesn't really navigate you around cars, do, do any of that stuff. What's kind of interesting is the Bolt EUV has less storage space than the smaller EV one, and and that's because it's a little bit taller. The EV is a little bit taller, so there's a little bit more height when you're talking about the the volumetric storage. So I kind of recommend, you know, people ask me, should I get the Bolt EUV or the Bolt EV? I kind of recommend the EV more often. Unless you're going for the Super Cruise, you get a little bit more storage in a smaller package. You're up a little bit higher. Um, I think it's a little bit better of a drive. Um, you don't get quite as much uh, legroom in the back seats, if that's a concern. But uh, overall, 25600 it's a pretty pretty compelling offer. I mean, what else is in the in that area you have the you know the leaf which is like a 226 mile range it's chatamo charger uh it's not even it's like slower than that um you got the kia nero and um the hyundai uh what's the hyundai kona Kona, uh yeah they're like thirty five thousand dollars um i i don't know if they still have the tax credit um but you know they're they're not quite as quick off the line. They're they're just not as exciting. I think the bolt's a little bit more 
cool to, cool of a car. I know I'm very alone in my liking the Bolt EV, but um, or the looks of the the EV. Yeah, the design. But, you mean? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, uh, I'm not completely against the design of it, but uh, I, I mean, I with the price decrease, I'm on board completely. I I used to be less on board when it was like a thirty five for like forty thousand dollar car. My point was always like this, especially inside. When I was inside right. the car, I'm like, this is not a forty thousand dollar car. There's no way. Like Tesla gets away with that, like because of the minimalist design, everything still looks good. Like it's even though it doesn't necessarily look luxurious, like you would in a, like a forty thousand dollar BMW, for example. But the 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 Bolt EV just never had that at twenty five thousand dollars, especially these days. Like uh, I was, I posted earlier this week that the average new car sell in the U.S. right now is forty eight thousand dollars. So. At at, at twenty five thousand dollars, you're getting a cheap car here. That's what you're getting, and it just happened to have like a great electric powertrain when it doesn't catch on fire. Right. <laughs> I just got you right there. Yeah. It goes right. <laughs> no, when it doesn't catch on fire, it's like the best you can get. <laughs> now, obviously, I'm I'm kidding. It doesn't anymore. GM has replaced the batteries after we twisted their arms for 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 a year, but uh, they finally did the right thing. Um, but yeah, so now I wouldn't be concerned right now about about that. But still, uh, it, it, it you get a sixty kilowatt hour battery pack inside a car that costs twenty five thousand dollars. It's, it's pretty- they've actually improved like the interior. Uh, it's still plastic, but it's like better materials. It's it's a little bit darker. Um, it's got a better uh, uh, bigger screen. It has wireless CarPlay now, which is nice. You can just leave your phone in your pocket, or you can charge yeah. it wirelessly. So they've done little things that are improvements. A big improvement would have been like faster charging or, um, you know, all-wheel drive. And, you know, they didn't even have to put on like a powerful rear motor. They could have put on a a 50-horsepower motor in the back and it would have been a benefit. So quite frustrating that GM hasn't really done a lot, you know, some of the little things, but they have made upgrades to the Bolt, so... What are you filming with on that? The camera is pretty good. Uh, it's just a wide angle on the iPhone. All right, right. Yeah. Pretty good, pretty good. All right, so we'll jump into the comment section now that we uh, made our Bolt TV sales pitch. Yep. All right, question. If the bill passes, how does the payment happen in a typical stealership okay, model? Buyer, this is obviously not a fan of dealers. Buyer obviously pays 7500 less. Does the dealership get the money from the feds or does the manufacturer get it? I mean, good question. Uh, I don't know exactly. How, well, good question phrase, obviously, <laughs> in a very angry way. Uh, but like, not all dealerships are bad, in my opinion. Like, It's not an uh, optimal model, but there are some plenty of dealerships that are, are, are correct and are acting okay. Um, I mean, it doesn't really matter who's getting the... the, the uh, I, mean, I don't. I don't think it changes anything. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I think it. It just goes to the dealership, and they get. They put it. Take it off the price of the car. All right, Dan Oberst. I can understand Congress wanting to allow hybrid vehicles in the tax credit. That's actually what I wanted to bring up. Some people need more range than current BEVs provide, but seven kilowatt hour batteries are way too small to really help the environment. Oh, so I yeah, thought it was fifteen. I think it's seven. I saw somewhere else it was seven. Um, I didn't oh. read the actual bill though. But either way, uh, PHEVs, uh, 
are kind of it, it seems like they're giving it way too much credit. And I initially saw like, oh, GM probably wrote that. GM doesn't make any more yeah. plug-in hybrids, and Ford has like the the Maverick. It's more like it would be Toyota or something. But uh, fi- I, for some reason, I, I read 15. Yeah, even then. like Yeah, uh, even then. But 15 would be a lot better than 7. There's no doubt right. about it. 7 it would, like a it would remove a lot of those very like weak DHEV out there. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I agree with the sentiment that Dan is talking about here. But uh, long term, I think, I think it's obvious that we are moving to all electric and i think for a long range like a lot of evs have plenty of range and with fast charging it's really not a problem yeah all right tyler dunhoe anyone who has worked at a highway truck stop knows this place will get absolutely disgusting without regular without very regular cleaning people are too selfish to do it themselves i think i, I think we assume that it's going to be regular cleaning yeah and i wonder like uh if maybe Tesla, yeah, I normally, I, I kind of want to say that Tesla owners are going to be a little bit better about cleanliness, no, but no, no. I've no. seen some pretty nasty super. Oh yeah, I've seen terrible super trash cans with like uh, stuff flowing out. Yeah, bummer. Uh, doesn't have to be that way, but all right. Uh, Greg Reese making an electric bike that has a battery that recharges when you pedal. Okay, that's for tomorrow's podcast. Stay tuned for that. But is it that like that's you don't recharge a bike, but like a pedal assist? That's what basically the the kind of, you, you use both your human power and your yeah. I guess like battery. down a, it's regening down a hill or something. Oh well, you re, well some some that uh, I mean my server has that region. All right, uh, Dan's back. I welcome putting superchargers at convenience stores and fast food, but I feel for places like sit down restaurants and hotels where people are charging will only use the bathroom without spending any money. Uh, no, I think people will spend money. Yeah, I mean, uh, I liked. Uh, I stopped that one on this road trip that was like a, I think a Applebee's, I want to say, mm-hmm. which is a sit down restaurant, but like the service is pretty fast and everything. So we managed to heat some like pretty decent food in like thirty five forty minutes, and then the car was full and we were back on the road. Like it was it was pretty good, pretty good yeah. experience as all. Well. Yep. I'm a fan of Applebee's as well. Uh, question, are the Opel Ampera E and the Chevy Bolt EV the same car under a different brand? If so, would you also recommend that car for Europe? Um, yes, I think the Opel Ampera E is actually the exact Chevy Bolt. Um, when GM owned Opel, uh, they they sent it over some bolts to Europe, which I think was a great idea. Unfortunately, they couldn't make enough bolts uh, at the time. Yeah, they, so. they, they don't sell that anymore, right? No, it's uh, Opal's now owned by PSA Group or something. Yeah. I thought I think there was like a period of time where they would actually supply them with some, and then it, it handed pretty quickly. Yeah, so they're out there. Uh, there's probably some used ones out there, and they're great cars. So, all right, uh, going down a rabbit hole here. I've always I always bring an anchor battery with me to charge in my car. So I guess well, you're saving like thirty meters of range. No, no, I, st- I was talking about like charging my ba- my laptop in my car. Okay, but Eric is just bragging about his better logistical skill than than me. I just don't think about that, unfortunately. All right, let's see. Hey, we're talking about that. Let me get to the oh clickbait. So we talked about how the the uh, 
the bill name it was clickbait uh dan says clickbait named aimed at one person mansion um that may be true like uh maybe that's easier for him to sell or something i don't know uh, that used vehicle owner must be different than the original owner is the reason bills have to be so many pages. They know people will manipulate the system that way. But can you even manipulate the system with that? Because how is it a used car? It's, it's, it never never changed hands. You bought it new. How like are you selling it back to yourself as a used car? Like as a, maybe as sell it to your wife or something. Yeah, maybe. All right, uh, trophy. Everyone is a winner. Yep, that's right. Uh, All right, Ryan Lautenberg, question, your thoughts? Tesla started selling autopilot features that are available now for $6,000 because they won't have to pay for future FSD hardware upgrades since customers not buying FSD. Thoughts on that? I don't know that's the actual top process behind that because technically if the customer wants to upgrade to FSD later on, uh, the Tesla, based on their own language, would have to comply with that and upgrade. Uh, I think the reason for he's talking about the the relaunch of handheld pilot here for six thousand dollars, which basically include all of the FSD features except for uh, for the city driving. Uh, they, uh, I think that's just because the FSD take rate is abysmal right now, and they want to make some money. Like this is this is free money for Tesla. Like if someone right now has just a standard autopilot and upgrades to either FSD or um, or enhance it to pilot, it's like it's $6,000 in their pocket or $12,000 in their pocket. So. Yeah. All right, final question. I read that initially GM lost about $9,000 on every bolt. Is that still the case? I don't think so. I think uh, Mary Barra said that they were not going to be losing money on the bolts, although with the price this low, I don't know if that can be possibly true. Yeah, maybe maybe not with the new price decrease, but uh, I remember that was that came out. That news came out probably in 2018 or something like that. I think the financials of it improved over the last few years. But I would be surprised if they're making any money or not, like a, more than a few thousand uh, at twenty five thousand dollars starting price. All right, that's it. All right, well, the show went a lot longer than I thought it would. After like, uh, and, we're a minute, an hour and ten. All right, that's great. If you did like the show, please give us a like. Please give us a thumbs up. Please give us whatever it's on your app that you're watching right now. It helps the algorithm. It helps the show. It's free to do. It takes a second. If you are listening only on your podcast app, if you just take a second after you're done with it, the show and go give us a five-star review, that helps the show tremendously. We appreciate it every time. And uh, we're going to see you same place, same time next week. Have a good one. Stay safe out there.